Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. Cooler months are finally beginning to warm up. Well, okay, maybe they're not. The point of recording this is still damn cold. We just had a storm. But the point you're hearing is it's February and I keep thinking, yes, the daffodils are going to be here soon. So I'm hoping wherever you are in the world that you're having a great start to February. Today, I have on the extraordinary leader. She's a senior leader in a global consulting firm of the extraordinary Shika Bajaj on the show. Shika has written a book, which is one of the reasons she's here today. But one of the things that really lit me up about the way Shika talks is the fact that she truly believes that we need to be ourselves as women leaders. And that is just speaks to my soul. She's all about advancing women into leadership and fostering a culture of mentorship within corporations so that women are ourselves. Our differentiation is precisely what makes us succeed and thrive. And that's one of the many topics we talk about today. You're going to hear a little bit about how she got to where she is, the way she had to be tough and stick it out a little bit, break those barriers, which I do call out a little bit on today's show as well, and how it's really about that has led her on the path to where she is today, where she's created a nonprofit organization that provides youth mentoring, where she is championing the philosophy of gratitude is the best attitude. And she believes that we can rise by lifting others. And that as we do that, we should embrace who we are. So without further ado, let's get Shika onto the show. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis. And this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. So sit back, grab your headphones, and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Welcome to the show, Shika. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted to dig into your journey. I felt like when we first met, you and I had so much in common about our passions and particularly some of our highlights and lowlights. So I would love to hear from you about your career journey. Those highlights and lowlights I've mentioned already, particularly the lowlights, I think they often inform so much about our career decisions. And how did you come to be so passionate about both tech and like me supporting fellow women in tech? Thanks for the question. Before I actually talk about my career journey, I just want to go farther back, which is Mm. talk about my roots. So I was born in New Delhi, capital city of India, Um, had very humble beginnings. We were a family of six living in a two bedroom apartment in a middle class family. And uh, from from the part of India that I am, it's always as simple as you're either a doctor or an engineer or a loser. And uh, many years back, the time I'm talking about, women usually were choosing only to be the doctors or teachers, but not engineers. Mm. So I chose to be an engineer. I wanted to be an engineer and actually be a woman in tech as STEM. And growing up during my high school, as well as my bachelor's and master's, I was a really, really minority. So I was Mm. used to being like, you know, one of the very few women in tech, even before I started my career journey. And I still remember I actually got through my campus placement in a company which did not ever actually hired a woman engineer. 
it was the highest paying job and they were like oh my god we've never hired women because we feel women can't code oh. um, it was a four and a half hour long interview lasting actually all the way through midnight i still remember that and once uh they they actually rolled out the offer it was a shocker not only for that organization but for my alma mater because they were like this has never ever happened so why i'm sharing this story is i think from my early on i've always actually uh, believed in breaking barriers or not yeah. being constrained by barriers and uh, that transcended in my career journey because um, there were no women in the company that i was in very very few and um, it was just interesting to be the lone warrior in in some shape and form and then still charting my own path mm-hmm. uh, so Uh, there you go. That's one highlight about the career journey. Wow. I, that, you mentioned they're breaking barriers. I see this so many times. It's it's actually really heartbreaking to me that we have this as women. I, I know I would say that too. In my career, part of what I've done is break barriers. Why, why do we have to do that is part of what I now object to in supporting all these other women. Men don't have to do that. Some men break barriers. It's great. Fab, right? Go them. But as women, it feels like to thrive, we have to, by definition, break barriers. Would you agree with that? It's like there's double standard going on or do you think it's changing? I think it's changing. I think in my personal experience, a lot goes back to what you believe in. And mm. if you accept the environment that you've been raised in to be okay, versus saying, I can chart my own destiny. So go- going back in time... to answer your question about the career journey so i started my job uh nobody in my family actually even had a passport leave alone working in us uh mm. but i had a dream and my dream was that i'm not going to be conformed to what society or my environment tells me to be or not to be i'm going to figure it out and this is what i want and uh, yes i got a passport and at that point in time women in india used to marry somebody settled in us versus actually going out and finding a job in US on their own. So I was very clear mm. that I'm going to do what I want to do, which is on my own merit. Uh, and I did make that happen. It wasn't easy. And uh, then rising the corporate ladder hasn't been easy. There have been a lot of stereotypes around, you can do this, cannot do this. But I think un- unless you actually question, like, why not? I don't think you can really break barriers. So Yeah. Tell me a few of those. stereotypes you mentioned there if you wouldn't mind um because i think some of us are oh, just so exhausting right it is it is so and i think that at least for me there always has been this conflict about where i've been raised versus the country i wanted to make my career and my life in which is india versus us so in my culture back home in india women are supposed to be uh soft spoken I won't say no sign mm. but soft spoken as well as uh very caring and nurturing versus when I moved to US I thought that that was misconstrued to be uh not having an opinion or not not being authoritative or not being assertive so there's a fine line around where you actually take what you've learned to be the right thing versus what a different country or culture expects you to So it's been tricky trying to find that fine balance. And I figured that the more I tried to fit in, mm-hmm. I ended up kind of really losing myself, which was the leadership doesn't really need to be loud. And you can be a great leader 
with the skill sets that you have without being abrasive, if that makes sense. Yes. I love that. I love that you said that, that leadership doesn't have to be loud. That is such a beautiful way of putting it. I, I, isn't the word I would have used. I'm trying to think what I would use, but it is, as you say, using those skill sets you have. It isn't, I always say to people, it's not about becoming more masculine than the men in the room. Our power and our contribution as women is the fact that we are women, that we are different. Our uniqueness is our special talent. And so making yourself more like a man, loud and brash and aggressive and abrasive, if that's not who you are, if it's who you are, hands down, go for it, girl. But if it's not who you are, don't become that way. That is not your differentiator. Would you, is that, is that kind of like how you feel about all of this? I think it's true, but it's, it's harder. I feel like the higher you rise, the expectations around leadership to be perceived one way and the Mm. only way ends up actually becoming more table stakes. So it's really hard to still be a soft leader but be the leader. It's like, okay, you have to be the alpha male. Otherwise, people don't pay attention or think that, you know, they could just run over you. Oh, oh, I love this. I feel like we could have a whole episode on this. I know we've got other things I absolutely wanted to get into. Uh, I'm going to have to get you back on the show to discuss that because this is a topic so dear to my heart is that navigating that very fine line between what I would call executive presence for women but not becoming like the men in the room. And I actually do believe when I see women do this well, and I've had the privilege to coach extraordinary women in the C-level, when I see them do it well, they are the best leaders I've ever met, hands down. But it's it's finding that balance. Okay, let's move on there, because otherwise I will go down that rabbit hole with you. And I know there's <laughs> other things we really want to talk about. Tell us a little bit about what you do today. And in particular, I know that you started a mentoring program. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so it actually goes back to 2020 in COVID when I started the mentoring program. But I think before I answer that, so I'm a senior executive in a global consulting company. And as part of my role, I'm responsible for a portfolio of business in healthcare because I'm passionate about making a difference. And I think U.S. healthcare definitely needs help around digital transformation. Mm. And as part of my job, I'm helping companies uh, embrace being more digital, as well as uh, rallying our people and our competencies to make companies, make healthcare better at large. So that's what I do Mm -hmm. for my work. Now, I started the mentoring program in COVID because I think it's always easy to say, oh my God, like everybody, you know how COVID was. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were millions of women leaving their workforce because of it being a really gloomy time at home, at work, uh, longer work hours, social distancing, no, no care and help at home, whether it comes to like, you know, cleaning or nanny and schools were closed. So I feel like there were so many women in my team, as well as my friends and colleagues who were struggling. So, Mm I had two choices. One, just be one of the victims and cry about, oh my God, I'm also suffering. Mm-hmm. Or give an empathetic ear to someone or actually do something groundbreakingly different. So I chose the last option, which was, it's easy to just stay in a corner and sulk about it and feel like a victim. But why don't I do something? And what I did was I thought of this idea that now that we don't actually have the ability to have a water cooler conversation or get a support system because of all the social distancing. Why why don't we create a virtual mentorship program so that women within my company Mm -hmm. actually get that support about anything 
And I think at that point in time, more than just work, it was also like work-life balance. Like, what do mm. I do and how do I actually take help at home or even at work? Because the pressures were really, really large. So, yeah, uh, that's what I did. Uh, and it ended up, it was a pilot. I didn't know what I was doing. It was just an idea. <laughs> Uh, I really did not know what I was doing. To be honest, I, I've never known what I do. I just go after what I believe I want to do. And then I think magic happens. So in this, in this case, I'm very grateful to my leadership and my company who loved that idea and said, sure, like if that's what you want to do, go for it. And then I think rest is history. We started a pilot. It went viral. Like it was in North America. Everybody said, it's really awesome. Don't stop it. The four-month pilot ended up actually expanding I would say like year after year after year in terms of the scale as well as the mm -hmm. impact and uh, yeah it's helping uh, retention engagement promotion and just the overall morale of women in my company yeah oh I, I, that's beautiful I mean having created a mentoring program myself many moons ago now back when I ran a non-profit for women in supercomputing it was I was on champion. I didn't actually set it up, but like, I, I feel that pain of like, I didn't know what I was doing, but I knew something was needed. And there were a lot of challenges creating something virtual. And obviously during COVID, you had no other option. What What do you think needed to be done differently because it was a virtual program rather than an in-person mentoring program? Actually a lot. I think in-person is always easy because it's easier to build trust and have that mm. human connection. When you're virtual and you're trying to actually, you know, say that I'm going to pour my heart out to you and I'm hoping that you can help me, it's a lot to expect. So I think uh, taking that idea forward, one good thing was it cannot be a corporate structure forced upon for the company to benefit. And the mm -hmm. way we made that sure was like when we came up with the forms for that, it was a personalized program catering to the choices and preferences of what an individual wanted out of the program. And so much so that one could say, I want to actually get help in networking and career opportunities and work-life balance learning. But at the same time, could also choose, this is someone I want as a mentor. So mm. how that helped was like, if you already knew someone, but just did not know how to approach that some senior person to help you you could actually choose that so when we matched mentees and mentors then you get the person of your choice mm -hmm. so I, th I think that was that was interesting and yeah I think over a period of time uh, people build that trust and connection especially mm -hmm. around that time when I think everybody was very very hopeless about what was happening yeah I, I've seen a number of big corporations particularly fortune 50 companies have these company-wide Multi and they're multinationals, so they are by definition disparate. Yeah. But these company-wide mentoring programs, and I think one of the things I've really seen them struggle with is that trust piece, is that building that connection and having that trust. What what did I mean? I've certainly I've coached people. I will say to people when I coach them, like you should have mentors as well as a coach. Like they are two different yeah. things. You need both. And mentors inside your organization are hands down so good for you. But it is different from coaching, particularly external coaching. And so I've heard so many stories about how that mentoring relationship is not really mentoring. It's more just teaching or um, there, there's this complete lack of understanding what should go on. What did you do to break that one down a little bit better for the mentors, not just the mentees? Yeah, that's a great question, actually. And um, it takes time to be a good mentor, to be a good yeah, mentee. Does. And then ultimately, it's it takes time to build that trusted relationship. Mm. 
So what I did was um, I held many specific events, which were more around uh, catering to how to be a good mentee and what does being a mentee even mean, right? Like all these terminologies can be very confusing. Mm. So giving them a set of tools, best practices, tips, as well as that support structure, even within mentees saying what's working for you I've like versus how can I learn from like what's working mm-hmm. for you versus me in my relationship did the same thing for mentors and it was interesting it reminds me when we started this like um when I kick-started the idea into execution there were a lot of women who wanted mentorship but there weren't enough women at the senior level to provide mentorship it doesn't sound surprising right So had to canvas to go to all the male leaders in the company and say, you have a role to play. Mentorship is not only women to women. And there is a lot that they can learn from you because the reality is there are far more senior men in a company like mine, a tech consulting company, Mm -hmm. and you have a role to play. And it was interesting to understand their side of the story around they actually want to help, but they had their own set of hesitations. So trying to get them to get over that and then raise their hand and say, yes, I want to help. And then I think honestly, like what happened thereafter was literally magic because some ended up being really, really trusted, long lasting relationships, even after the program ended, because the mentee Mm -hmm. and mentor said, we want to stick around, right? Like senior women, uh, junior women, as well as women and men. And I mean, you must have seen some research around it, right? Like it shows that when you have, and I wrote an article on it, uh, which is women who get mentorship uh, end up getting promoted a lot more, retention, their salary, everything is much Mm -hmm. higher. And women want to mentor uh, and women want mentorship, but nobody just asks them and companies Mm -hmm. don't have it. So it's like, what do you do? Yes. And I, I think the key thing is there is this within the companies. I mean, I know that when I was a, an executive, I would have, I mean, I was quite visible in my community and supercomputing. I'd have women reaching out to me from all over the world on a daily basis saying, would you mentor me? And I was like, yeah. I don't have the capacity. What I was lacking was people in my company reaching out to me. It's like, this is, this. oh, she's important. I can't possibly ask. And actually, those are the ones who from a business perspective, that's what the business needs me to do is to mentor the women internally. And, and so it's it's about recognizing you have the ability within your own organization to ask and not be too afraid. But let's change gears a little bit because that's all past. Let's talk about what you're doing today because things have shifted gears a little bit for you. What What's going on today? So today I feel like I don't want to restrict only women in my company to get mentorship. Uh, Mm -hmm. To your point, I think all companies need to have a mentorship program. I also feel all women need to feel empowered and not be hesitant to say, I need help. Like going back Mm -hmm. to my own career journey, I felt there were times when I was at work trying to show that I got it all. And as I said, half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. But if I actually can raise my hand and say, I need some help, I could actually end up doing a lot more better and quicker which is a win-win for me as well as the company and the customers right so why not so having gone through my own personal journey uh, I've written a book that I'm super excited about it's called own your color it touches upon a lot of personal stories from my own life as well as other women in tech that I have interviewed 
over last few years since COVID, just sharing us to there is a lot of power in asking for help. So seek a mentor. Uh, mm-hmm. There is even greater power in paying it forward, which is be a mentor. And then ultimately, our collective wisdom and experiences can help our communities, outside work, our corporate cultures, making it a win-win for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. Let me just back up a second here. <laughs> Why a book? I mean, I'm a big believer in books. I read books all the time. In fact, you'll find out in the quickfire questions, I always ask me what books they're reading. But, you know, in this digital age, it feels like books are maybe a little bit old-fashioned. So as a woman in tech, why a book? It's a good question. Um, I wanted to get this word out around the power of mentorship, as well as the the power of us asking for help and giving out help. Mm. And you're right. Yeah, the culture is all about podcasts and to be honest, like maybe TikToks and 30-second videos. But I think what I had to share from my own life, as well as like hundreds of other women's lives that I've learned, I couldn't Mm -hmm. think of a better way but to actually write a book. Uh, And I've been a, I'm a big believer. I've raised, like I love books. So I feel like uh, there must still be an audience who's going to read the book. And if not, maybe I'm going to read it on YouTube or something. But I thought that was the that was the easiest way to spread the word globally. I love that. I love that. Okay, so tell me a little bit about the, the name of the book, Own Your Color. Why is that important? Like, give us a backstory in that one. I can guess, but give us the backstory. Oh, I, I wish there was a way for me to flip the question back. W- what comes to your mind when you hear the word Own Your Color? Well, I i mean, so here's the thing. I'm assuming you are partly talking to women of color and owning our color in the workplace. And I, I want to know, is that a correct assumption on my part? But also, why is that something you want women to own? And again, I have, because I talk about owning our power as women, I'm like, oh my gosh, own, own what's different about you. So tell us more about yep. that. Like, what is it about own your color that makes, that makes, means you write a book called that. (laughs) So you're right. I think uh, everyone, a lot of my friends and colleagues think that color means women of color. But no, to me, color means who each one of us is uh, intrinsically, right? Like that's beautiful. The whole, whole me. And I'm unique, right? Like my strengths, my flaws, my imperfections, my quirks, like all of me. That's what makes me unique. And unless, and in COVID, that's what I thought actually happened because that's where I got the inspiration of writing the book and doing the mentorship, right? Like we couldn't really compartmentalize our life at home and our life at work. If there is an infant crying in the background or if there is a husband keeping a cup of coffee while you're on a Zoom or a Teams call, it's part of who you are, right? Like you would see the background of your house and some have like, boring background that some has have very colorful but I felt that was the time that everybody really ended up showing up in their whole self and uh, the amount of uh, digital transformation which is what my company does what I do as well as just the overall impact about digital that happened during COVID was also groundbreaking and to me it feels like it happened because we were all just embracing our whole selves and not be shy about it and not trying to hide it and trying to fit in and whatnot so to me i feel if women really own who they are rather than trying to fit in 
or like remember we were talking about the alpha male or the stereotype like i need to do this or i need to do that because i'm here versus there like just be who you are and you're enough yeah so i felt that that's why the name of the book i love that i love that it's it's just really this reflection on like be yourself i always say we should learn to be as leaders the best version of ourselves i don't want you to be somebody else i want you to be the best most eloquent most present version of you the version of you that is the best leader but not making you into something you aren't because that isn't your value that's not who you are to the world and i i, I just love this so talk me through a little bit about the, the recipe because i know you talk in the book because i've seen some highlights of it knowing your color embracing your color and spreading your color tell us what these are and why you believe that's the recipe sure. that we need as women in tech yeah i love the question so i think women specifically and women in tech are just running around trying to prove themselves and sometimes there's just not enough time to stop pause and reflect on who you really are unless you know who you are it's going to be very hard for you to show up in your full color mm. so how are you going to own it so when i say know your color uh what i mean by that is know what your limiting beliefs are i had a limiting belief about failure which really you know it took a really long time for me to realize mm. as to how it was a blocker uh what my values are so one of my values is excellence and that has always helped me do whatever in my life so knowing my limiting beliefs knowing my values has helped me then embrace my color and what that means is what are my goals like what do i really want not the society that i was born in back in india or not the society that i'm living in right now in us like what is it that i want for myself and as i have spent more than two decades being a woman in tech i feel like the joy that i have gotten since covid by mentoring hundreds of women a lot more than i used to do in the past has been extremely fulfilling so mm-hmm. i know one of my key values is giving back which i had lost in this rat race of trying to rise yeah. the corporate ladder but knowing that that's so important to me helps me spread my color which is give back pay it forward and make the world a better place for all of us so that's what i mean and that's my journey but i bet if we all women in tech actually take time and and the book has some very very interesting deep reflection exercises at the end of every chapter that i'm confident will help every woman in tech just pause stop and figure what is it that they're here for so that they can then embrace their purpose driven life the way i have i i just think that is beautiful like embracing our purpose driven life because i do think a lot of this is about having a purpose and figuring out what that is for ourselves and you mentioned they're having our own value system and all that kind of ties together to like really feeling fulfilled in the world with what we do how do you think like embracing our color is really our route to that fulfillment piece i feel like sometimes you know what your goals are but you don't know how to still achieve them and that's where embracing your color in the sense when you be really thoughtful and mindful of what you really want to do if you actually take the time you would realize there are people who have done that and can help you with that so mm-hmm. 
knowing what you want to do is step one, like knowing who you are and knowing what you want to do and goals is step two. And then third, there are people who want to help you. So yes. seek that help and then get that help. And once you are able to actually, you know, uh, walk in your full color, then help others. So I, I hope that answers your question. Yes, it does. I think that walking in your full color, I'm going to like steal that phrase. I think your full color. I just, that is beautiful. Like, I think we need a, like a poster of your book up. <laughs> and it's just so beautiful. I always talk about this as being our difference as women, being our value set. But this is just such a beautiful way because it's rather than differentiating ourselves, which can be a massive limiting belief is I've got to fit in. Yeah. This is about just embracing who you are rather than saying this is how I'm different and I love myself anyway. It's just like, this is just who I am. Just such a beautiful way of thinking. So thank you. Yeah, of course. I'll just I'll just say one last thing because you like the color piece. Yes. I mean, I always think about rainbow. I love color. Uh, and I'm like, if we were all just black or white or gray, uh, that would be really boring. There is a reason mm -hmm. that God or, you know, universe has so many colors, whether it's a rainbow or it's like, why is the sky blue and the plants green? So why are we trying to hide ourselves or trying to just be black, white or gray? You know, it's time to break that. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you. What I would love to do is move on to the quick fire round. Are you ready for this? Sure. Let's go. Okay. So <laughs> my, this is my favorite questions I ask every guest here. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? Everything needs to be perfect because nothing is perfect. Somebody said that to you. I mean, I, I get everything on this shit. So I asked this question because all of us have got something, right? We're like, oh my God, it took me so long to figure that one out. Or, um, oh my goodness. Wow. I hope I hope from the reaction I've got here, <laughs> listeners, that you know, if you've ever been given that piece of advice, absolute BS. <laughs> like, let's not go yes. there, ladies. No. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Go with the flow. Oh, tell me a little more about that. I can interpret. <laughs> tell me a little bit more. You just like life is unpredictable. You really don't know what's going to happen the next turn. So don't mm. take yourself so seriously. No one got out of life alive. Just go with the flow. Believe in yourself and em embrace whatever the next turn will bring you. Oh, love that. What is the last book you read and would you recommend it? Um... I don't remember. You could, you mentioned your own book, but we're going to do that in a minute anyway. But like, don't remember. What about favorite podcast? So <laughs> I've been so strapped writing a book that I don't remember what I read. Oh, that's fair <laughs> enough. I can just imagine like head down writing a book. Um, I've got like two books, slightly part written and... It just is. Oh, that's awesome. I feel like I feel like I've got like 10 books in me. There's so many things I want to write about. But honestly, with all the other things I do, it's like it always goes to the bottom of the to-do list. So I admire anybody who's actually delivered on writing a book. I really do. All right. Mindset. At the end of every episode, I love to give a mindset tip on a topic related to the podcast. So what is your favorite mindset tip related to owning our color? There's no bigger power than your own self. And that power is within you. Beautiful. Thank you. Again, we need that printed out and stuck up there on wallpaper. I love it. This has been a wonderful conversation, Chika. I would love to know how can people connect with you, find out more about what you do, find out more about your book. Tell us, tell us where to find you. You can find me on www.ownyourcolor.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward for you to check out the book and reach out.
But I love it when people say reach out because I feel like so many of us put barriers up now. I'm like, come on, ladies, let's all just connect with each other. Imagine how much better the world would be with more of us women in tech connected. So um, you've got an open invitation here, listeners. Go and connect with Shika. I'll make sure the links are in the show notes. So if you want to check out her book, go and connect with Shika on LinkedIn. Go check out the show notes and you will get the links to find her. Shika, this has been fabulous as i feel like we've got another couple of episodes at some point we need to do <laughs> i really I think so too. <laughs> such a good conversation thank you so much from the bottom of my heart is there a final thought you would like to leave the audience with today yes i firmly believe that we rise when we lift others and there is a lot of collective power that women of tech have so reach out and help each other we need it we all do Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for sponsoring this episode as well, just for listeners' benefit. We're only able to put this podcast out there because of amazing guests like Shika supporting us and giving you this value every week, coming in your earbuds or on YouTube, whichever you do. So thank you so much for supporting us, Shika. And listeners, until next time, stay in your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.